Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Some great songs for the sake of the world. We send the gospel out, amen? For the sake of the world, we send the gospel out. <laughs> amen? Yeah. Man, guess what? I already did this during like, like our combined Bible study. And we already took the poll, so I already know the overwhelming majority on rainy, hazy days. You guys would like to nothing more than to crawl back in bed. Am I right? All right, just give me a little time and then you can go take a nap, all right? Open up your Bible with me if you have your Bible. I pray you do. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning, I want to ask you to continue to pray uh, for one another. Uh, certainly this morning, uh, thinking of uh, Christina, uh, Mark and Christina Mills. Christina's dad uh, passed away uh, just the other, the other day, and so we want to continue to keep them in prayer. Also, uh, Falkir High School's principal uh, passed away, certainly had a severe car accident and was there in the hospital. And so let's continue to keep these ones in prayer and uh, certainly others. I'll be honest with you, uh, selfishly, I, I'm very thankful to see Barry Barlow feeling better. I really am. I got a little nervous today. I got a little nervous today. In fact, uh, uh, Jessica Martin and I were in the gymnasium and we were looking and it almost appeared for a second that Barry was running. I, I saw him start to trot. He was trying to catch somebody. I was getting nervous. I was like, man, he must be feeling a little better. And so we praise the Lord for that. Hebrews chapter 11, thank you so much for making it a priority to be here. Now listen, I want to ask you, remember, 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 beginning this Wednesday, our missions revival starting 7 o'clock. We will not keep you long on Wednesday night. Uh, we have the opening service Wednesday night, uh, parade of nations and, and everything taking place. And then on Thursday... Uh, we will have our tour of the world Friday morning. The ladies will have their brunch at 930. If you haven't signed up for that, you can do so today. You can even do it right there, right now, before I get in the message online. And then uh, same with the men's breakfast on Saturday morning, okay? And uh, those things are free and uh, encourage you to be a part of everything that's taking place as we ramp up to next Sunday when we will once again... Step out by faith. Oddly enough, we're talking about faith for today, but we will step out by faith and come up uh, with our missions budget through our faith promise giving uh, commitments for the next year. And so that'll be next Sunday. But look with me in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. We're going to continue our series. And I want you to draw your attention to one verse this morning. One verse. We've talked for three weeks about the faith of men. Today we're going to talk about the faith of a woman. Thank you. One lady said, woo. I had one excited lady in here talking about the faith of a woman. So look with me, verse number 11. Verse number 11, the Bible says, through faith also. Through faith 
also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the songs that we've already sung and we're reminded that you are king of heaven and earth. <laughs> we're thankful. We're thankful for all your many, many blessings. And even as the song we just sang, Lord, I'm thankful that we will have an eternity to try, just to try to encompass your greatness with a thousand hallelujahs and more. God, I just pray that you'll have your will in your way this morning and that you'll speak through me. You'll use your word to accomplish exactly what you desire, that you'll continue to teach us and prepare us to have a faith for today, to live in a way that brings you honor and a way that brings you glory. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and my redeemer. I give you the praise in advance for what you'll do. And it's in the precious name of your son's name, Jesus, that we pray and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but it's been a blessing to me over the past month to look and to listen and to, to learn what God's word actually has to say about this topic of faith. And I've said it like a broken record. We don't need faith yesterday. That was great. And it would be great to have faith tomorrow, but we need faith today. We need it today. Like we're going to walk out these doors, we're going to get in our cars, and we're going to head down uh, the ski slope of our driveway and at the end of it is Route 29. You're going to need to exercise faith when you pull out onto Route 29. Like little simple things, right? And so we need faith as we execute uh, this life. In fact, we know from the start, biblically, that faith, Romans 10, 17 says, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But so we have to ask our question. So yeah, that's great. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what is faith? Well, in verse number 1 of Hebrews chapter 11, if you look at it, it says that faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence or the conviction is what we've talked about, of things not seen. And so faith believes, we've said this, faith believes what God has revealed and trusts what He has promised. And so we've been talking about faith over and over. And even last week I shared this illustration that faith is like an apple tree, right? It's like this, it could be an orange tree. If you don't like apples, like, oh, I don't like apples, whatever. It's a fruit tree, right? It's, it's, it's this illustration of a fruit tree. And then the fruit on the tree is all about what faith does. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, if you notice, verse number one is all about the tree. When you get into verse number two and all the rest of the way through this chapter, it's all about the fruit that abounds or the fruit that takes place because of the tree. And so we've seen that we've learned this over the past lessons. We've learned that faith listens to God. It actually not only listens to God, but it walks with God. In fact, oddly enough, this morning I got up very, very early and uh, I, I turned on the TV Right, I like to have a little bit of noise, and so I turned on the TV to Dr. Charles Stanley. <laughs> and Dr. Charles Stanley, wouldn't you know it? It's like, it's like, really, God? It's like, really? Is this really what you're doing to me? Is this meant to discourage or to encourage me? I turn it on, and I'm just about ready. I'm getting all gussied up, right? And 
He's talking about faith that walks with God is actually going to be a faith that actually takes risks once in a while. And I was like, okay, I didn't say that in my message. I, I really feel bad. <laughs> you know, I was like, in the moment, I was like, oh, I should have said that. But faith walks with God, yes, and it does take risks. Listen, it's not always going to be a, a sunshine and roses, this journey of faith. And so we've talked about faith listens and walks with God. And then last week, we looked at the incredible story of Abraham and the fact that faith obeys. Listen, Abraham, notice, in, in, and we looked at it last week in verse number uh, 8. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an, for an inheritance, he obeyed. So by faith, he obeyed. And so we've looked at these things. And now this morning, Scripture points us to this encouraging truth Based on uh, the life of this woman, Sarah, right? No less. And it shows us that faith actually receives. Faith receives from God. Look at verse number 11. It says, through faith also, Sarah herself received. So she receives from God strength to conceive and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And here's what I want you to see. And I started alluding to it in the Bible study. But I want you to notice the word received. Because the reality is this word in the Greek is literally the Greek word lambano. And it's, it's actually a prolonged form of a primary verb. And it's only used, watch this, it's only used as an alternate in certain tenses. But notice here, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11, this word literally means to take or to take hold of. And so now we're, we're getting a better picture. It means to take or to get hold of. So in other words, Sarah's faith actually brought into her possession something that she did not possess beforehand. Do you get it? So also, Sarah, by faith, right, she receives something that she didn't have before. Well, if you look at verse number 11, you see right away the thing that she didn't have. She didn't have strength. She didn't have power. She didn't have it working in her life. Let me ask you a question. How many times is it that you and I, we set out to walk with God, we set out to obey God, we even take time to listen to God, and yet we don't have strength? We're trying to walk in our own power. And can I assure you of this? When you walk in your own strength, you will fail. You will fail. That's, that's literally as basic as the song that I crooned over in the other, other room. Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is Man, aren't you glad Jesus is strong? <laughs> I'm thankful for a strong Savior. And this is what we have here. It's a remarkable story. By faith, she receives, she took hold, she takes hold of the one thing in her life that she lacked. And by the way, I'm not talking about a child. 
It wasn't that, yes, she lacked a child, but by faith it wasn't that she took hold of a child. It was by faith that she took hold or she appropriated the strength or the power that she needed from God to conceive seed. Oh, listen, it's an incredible story. Turn with me back to Genesis chapter 12, because this is where the story begins. And I just want to highlight, boom, 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 and then we're going to get back to our verse here. And look, but in Genesis chapter 12, as you're turning, you remember, this is the passage when you get there in verses 1, 2, and 3. This is the passage in which God is making an incredible promise to Sarah's husband, Abram, or Abraham. And in verse number one, he tells him, he says, hey, listen, I need you to leave your country. I need you to get away from your family, leave your father's house. And guess what? I need you to go into a land that I'm going to show you. In other words, uh, God, where am I going? Are you, uh, am I going to Ohio? No, don't worry about it. Just leave. Just leave Fauquier County. Just leave Prince William County. Just leave Culpeper County, Rappahannock County, or wherever else you might be from. Just go ahead and leave it, and I'm going to show you where you're going to go. Well, God, it would be helpful if you gave me a map. It would be care. It would be helpful. You know, we got a phone now, God. Could you just put it on my maps, right, so I could know where I'm going? God says, No, I'm not going to do it that way. I need you to exercise some faith and believe that I'm going to show you where you're going. And so that's what he tells Abraham. But in verse number 2 of chapter 12, notice he tells Abraham, he says, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. He said, I will bless thee. And then if you look at verse number 3, the Lord declares, he says, in thee. He said, in you, Abraham, he said, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Listen, can you imagine being... Abraham, now listen, remember we talked about his heritage. His heritage was not one of worshiping God. His father, Terah, last week we talked about this. He came from a family history of worshiping, as Joshua told us last week in Joshua 24-2. He has a family history of worshiping, quote, remember we read it last week, other gods, little g, not capital G, other gods. And this is his heritage. And so God says, guess what? Go. You got to leave your country. You got to leave your family. You got to go. I'm going to show you we're going to go. And I'm going to make you great. I'm going I'm to bless you. And I'm going to. And in fact, for you, Abraham, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. This is what he tells them. Flip over to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, it's interesting because Abraham actually believes See, God says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. By the time you get to Genesis chapter 15, Abraham is mistaken. He thinks that God is speaking about his servant, Eliezer. Like his servant, Eliezer, is going to be this heir. This is going to be the way that God blesses Abraham, right? He's kind of taking him into his family. But notice in Genesis chapter 15... He tells Abraham that Eliezer is not the one who's going to be the heir. Look at verse number 4. And he says, the, the Lord comes to him and he says, He that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And then if you flip over to verse number 5, God brings Abraham out. And, and he says, hey, now look up. He says, look toward the heaven and tell the stars. By the way, if you can number them. He says, go ahead and take a look up in the sky, and if you can number them, which by the way, all you need to do is ask James Granahan, you cannot number them, right? 
He says, go ahead and look up there, big boy. And if you can number them, watch what he says here in verse number five. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Abraham, you're not getting it. I'm going to, I'm, I, I, I'm God. When I bless, I do it big, big ways. I, I super, I super bless. I super abound. And I'm going to, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And in you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And he says, he says, well, is it going to be Eliezer? He says, no, it's not going to be Eliezer. The, the air is going to come out of your bowels. Now, this is an incredible, extraordinary promise. And God says, hey, listen, it's going to be like, you're not even going to be able to number it. It's going to be like the stars. And you say, well, why is this such an extraordinary promise? Well, number one, Abraham and Sarah have no children. And number two, Abraham at this point is 75 years old. I thought about asking all the men 75 and older to stand up. You see, because, yeah, I see you waving back there, 75 plusers. I see you out there. Here's the deal. You remember after the flood? Because a lot of people say, well, you don't understand. They lived a long time. No, that was before the flood. That was before the flood, right? After the flood, remember we talked about how the, the age span of humanity significantly drops. And so Abraham is 75 years old, and, and listen, I don't ever talk about a lady's age, but Sarah's not far behind him. They're not your typical candidates for a baby shower, right? But here's the deal. Years and years and years pass by. But the fulfillment of what God had promised was nowhere in sight. Somebody ever identify with that? You ever felt that way? Like, God, I'm doing what you want. When, 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 are, you gonna, when are you gonna throw down a huge blessing? Well, sometimes we get our blessing meter off. I would suggest that just waking up this morning was the blessing. The fact that we have air pumping through these things called lungs, right? Sometimes we're just like that. But flip over another page because in Genesis chapter 18, I'm already there. In Genesis chapter 18, 24 years have passed and no child. <laughs> that makes Abraham now, this man is now, anybody do the math? He was 75, 24 years later, he is now 99. Anybody in this room 99? You see what God does sometimes? He says what he's going to do, and he's waiting to see if we're going to exercise some faith. 24 years pass by. He's 90. Look at verse 1, chapter 18. And verse 1 tells us, And the Lord appears unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. I would imagine Abraham's like, yo, where have you been? The Lord appears to him. Now watch this. 
Don't be confused by some biblical commentators. The Lord appears unto Abraham. He's 99 years old. He had promised him 24 years ago that he was going to have, you know, the heir. He's going to bless all the families of the world through him. It's not Eliezer. I'm going to bring this to pass. And notice in verse 2, Abraham sees three men standing in front of him. Now, there's one thing I want you to be aware of. Abraham was accustomed to the divine presence of God. And he is so accustomed to the divine presence of God, when God appears, he moves into action. And you guys are saying, well, how much action could a 99-year-old man take? Look with us in Scripture. Look at verse 6 and 7. In the hustle and bustle of all that's going on, look, verse 6 and 7 tells us that Abraham hastened that word means that he hurried. He hurried into the tent unto Sarah. And he, he doesn't say anything about who the guests are. He just says, he says, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the earth. And then Abraham, he runs to the herd. So he's like, he's frantic. The Lord has appeared after 24 years. And he goes, he says, he says, hey, 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 you got to make cakes. You got to make cakes. Then he's hurting. He's going over to the herd. Look at what it says. He goes to the herd, right, in verse number 7, and he fetches a calf, tender and good, and he gives it to a young man, and he hastes to dress it. He says, hey, here he gets the best in the flock. He says, dress this, dress this. We got guests. Let's hurry, 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 hurry. This is a 99-year-old man. Some of us won't move. If the Lord Jesus appeared in physical form right here today, some of us would look at him cross-eyed. Can I just suggest to our senior saints, this is just a little sidebar, senior saints, Abraham was accustomed to the divine presence of God, and it moved him to action regardless of his age. 77, 99 is not a reason to retire from serving the Lord. Uh-oh, I know that just ruffled a bunch of feathers. And guess what? If you're 25, you ought to be serving the Lord too. He moves into action. The divine presence of God gets him. Look, drop down in verse number 10. While Sarah, she's still in the tent. Remember, Abraham said, make cakes, get the fine meal, let's go, let's go, we've got guests. And then in verse number 10, the Lord says, I certainly, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah, thy wife, will have a son. Hold on a second, I'm 99, now you're telling me you're going to return when I'm 100 years old and my wife's going to give birth to a son. Right. This is what he's telling Abraham, but guess what, ladies? <laughs> Look at the text, because in verse number 12, evidently, you know what? Let's just be honest. Men, don't our wives have like, like this incredible hearing ability? It's like God gave women the best ears, right? Hearing devices. They can hear anything. Sarah's in the tent making cakes. And look at verse number 12 because it indicates that she hears the commotion outside. She doesn't know what's going on really, but she hears the commotion. Look at verse 12. It says that Sarah laughed within herself not audibly it's just one of those internal laughs like yeah right she laughs within herself saying after i am waxed old watch this shall i have pleasure my lord being old also 
And then look at verse 13 and 14. And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? In other words, he says, hold on a second. She didn't laugh audibly or come out of the tent and say anything to anyone. But the Lord says to Abraham, he says, why is Sarah laughing? Abraham's like, what? What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? He says, wherefore, why, why is Sarah laughing? Why is she laughing? Look, he says, why did she laugh saying, of a, uh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? And then God says, the Lord says to Abraham, he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm guessing about a year later, Sarah was laughing her head off or crying tears of joy as she held little Isaac in her arms. Now there's a lot more to the story. We know that Sarah tried to take matters in her own hand at some point in the whole debacle with Hagar, the servant, and on and on. We, it, but at this point, something changes in Sarah. So what can we learn? What can we learn? Because, listen, God's promise uh, is fulfilled. What he told Abraham, it's fulfilled. And so what can we learn if we look back at our text in verse number 11? Well, here, write it down with me. I think we can learn right away that faith actually receives power from God. Look at verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength. In other words, she believed what she heard God promise outside of her tent, and by faith, she receives strength from God. Now, what's interesting is the word strength. Now, I'm going to compare a couple of words. Remember, she receives power. She appropriates it, right? So now we look at the word strength here. It says she receives strength. It comes from the word dunamis. That is where, if you're not familiar with Greek or this word, that's where we get the word dynamite. J.J. Walker style. Dynamite. That's where we get miraculous power. That's the word that is used in Scripture to speak of God's miraculous force, His miraculous power, His ability, His strength. And so notice it says, through faith Sarah also herself received strength. So in other words, the miracle of her son's conception took place because the miraculous power of God came to Sarah. Who needs some power today? I need some power. I need it every day. That's why we got to clothe up in the armor of God. Again, that word lambano, the word for received means to take or to take or to get hold of. And so here's the point. God is able to give us strength that we need to face the challenges we face. Face. And the reality is by faith, Sarah was able to get a hold of some miraculous strength that she did not previously have. I would suggest that she didn't even have it in verse number 12 when she hears outside the tent someone saying that Sarah is going to conceive and have a child. She laughs within herself. So at that point, she did not have strength. She's laughing but I believe that she gets strength when she hears the Lord say in verse 13 and then in 14, is anything too hard for God? She realizes, and we'll get there in just, she realizes the one who is making the promise. Can I tell you this same strength is available for us as believers? 
And the fact is, the theme of receiving power from God is weaved all throughout the New Testament. In fact, I was sharing in, this, in the 9 o'clock Bible study that Jesus said that he had all power in heaven and earth. And when he speaks to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, notice he says these words. He says, but ye shall receive. He says, there it is, the same word. They're, they're the same two words, in fact. He says, you shall receive, you shall take hold, you shall appropriate my miraculous power, my miraculous ability. He says, when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and he says, you'll be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It's weaved all through the New Testament. In fact, the Apostle Paul's life speaks of God's miraculous power over and over and over. When he had no energy, he needed God's power. When he was enduring pain, he needed God's power. When he was facing loneliness, he needed God's power. In fact, Colossians 1, in verse 28 and 29, Paul reveals where his energy came from. Notice he says in verse 28, Whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. But here's the key. Look at verse 29. He says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Now leave that up, guys, because the word working is the Greek word energeia. That's the word that we get, the word energy. He says, guess what? I only do what I do. I'm only able to do what I do when I receive the energy, the mighty power source, when I'm connected to Christ, when he gives me the energy to do it. Oh, listen, how can we keep going in 2023 when we're always feeling zapped? I can tell you, you will not go and go and go like the Energizer Bunny if you're not connected to the power source. I'm just telling you, man, if you're not connected, in fact, I don't know how the rest of the world does it. Those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, I really don't know how they go through loss and life and, and listen, losing a job, losing a loved one, losing this, losing that. I don't know how they do it without the Lord. Paul says, listen, I labor. He says, yeah, I labor. I'm striving, and, but I'm striving, watch this, according to his working according to his energy. I don't do it in my own power. I do it in the power God gives me. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 reminds us that our Lord, he's, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to, here it comes, there it is, dunamis, according to his miraculous power that works in and through us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 10, we, ref, we read that passage about that painful affliction that Paul had, remember? He said he sought the Lord three times. He's like, Lord, this, this affliction would leave him. And he has this painful affliction. But because of the power, Paul was connected to a power source. And because of the power that was working in him, Paul was able to say this in verse 10. He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Guess what that word actually comes from the word dunamis. It is actually the word dunatas. He says, when I'm weak, I am powerful. When I get my eyes off of myself, when I understand that it's not about me, myself, and I, he said, that's when I receive the power. When I understand that he is the one who gives me the power. 
And he was so convinced of this that in verse number 9, the verse just before, he says these words. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that, there it is again, that the power, the dunamis, the mighty miracle or miraculous working power of God may rest upon me. When you and I face pain or trials in life, we need to remember that it is in our weakness, not our strength. Because here's, here's what I know. There have been times when Greg has thought he has the power to do certain things, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I remember even playing sports, right? I'm going to go out here when I was wrestling all the time. I'm going to take this guy out, right? I'm in a tournament. This guy's going down. It's one thing to be confident. It's another thing to be silly, right? Sometimes we get so confident, we're not even of our right mind. And so we get so confident even playing sports. I see John back here. You talk about somebody who is confident when he gets on a ball field, but I love that about him. Even when we played church softball together, right? Listen, if I'm playing, I want to win. Isn't that right, John? That's the way John is. Don't say the word lost to John. It's not in his vocabulary. But here's the deal. When we face pain or trials, we need to remember that it's in our weakness. The power of Christ rests upon us. I also like the fact that Paul, he understood that God would give him power to face intense loneliness. Has anybody in this room or watching online, you ever faced intense loneliness? Some of you have lost loved ones, lost a husband or lost a wife. You face intense loneliness. Some of you felt like you've been forgotten by people. You felt lonely. You know, it's a crazy thing that we can come in a room the size of this and, and have hundreds of people sitting around us and still feel lonely. Isn't that crazy? I think about the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you know what's going on, he's on trial. <laughs> this, this guy's literally on trial He's on trial for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and basically, he's all alone. He's facing this all alone. In fact, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you look at verse number 16, the Bible, Paul says this, he says, No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Listen, they all knew what I was going through, but nobody came around. Nobody was there. I was all on my own. Huh. You think that would be the end of the story? Not for Paul, because in verse number 17, he declares this. He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. He said, guess what? I may have felt all alone. I may have been all alone. I may have been intensely lonely. He said, but the Lord stood with me. And guess what? Not only did the Lord stand with me, he says, the Lord strengthened me. By the way, that word, funny of as it may seem, it comes again. It's another branch of the word dunamis. It's actually the word indunamuo, and it means to empower. He says, the Lord stood with me, and not only did he stand with me, he empowered me. He gave me the strength to endure. He gave me the strength to keep on moving forward. Listen, like Paul, you and I can face whatever we come against knowing that our Lord will stand with us and give us the strength to face another day. Our scripture says Sarah herself received strength, but we must remember that she received her strength, watch this, by faith. She appropriated it. Something she did not have previously, 
she appropriated, took possession of something, watch this, that was always there for the taking. It wasn't like something new. It was always there. The power of Christ was there, but she never took a hold of it. She never appropriated it in her life. Oh, listen. It finally became the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen for Sarah. And because of it, she received strength to conceive seed. Our God is able to give us all the strength that you and I need when we face any battle. But we, like her, must appropriate it by faith. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. But if you look at verse number 6 and 7, it continues by saying, listen, if you're going to ask God for wisdom, it notice it says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth or doubts is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Listen, in order to receive, we're going to have to ask. Like, you don't have power. Guess what? You're just going to have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. A lot of people say, well, God knows what I need. Listen, he wants to hear from us. He wants to have a relationship with you. He's not so distant that he's not intimately involved in your life. And so if you're going to receive anything, strength or anything, for that matter, from God, then you got to ask. But if you're going to ask, James makes it abundantly clear that you got to ask in faith. Because as Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And as James makes it clear in James 1, 7, he says, let not that man think he's going to receive anything. Don't let that man think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. If you're wishy-washy, if you're a double-minded man, in fact, James 1 goes on in verse number 8 to say uh, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So if we're going to be wishy-washy, James says, listen, don't think you're going to receive power. Don't think you're going to receive wisdom or strength or anything of the Lord. I love what Jesus says in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. He says, therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you so desire, when you pray... Believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Now listen, I'm not going to quantify or qualify. This is, a, this is one of those verses that prosperity gospel preachers and many others have ripped out of context and they've used for their own, for their own uh, 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 uses. But I have to wonder how much more we might receive if you and I would just take time to ask by faith. You see, because James chapter 4 and verse number 2 teaches us a principle that says you have not because you ask not. See, a lot of times we war, James is talking about we war, we desire to have and we kill and we do all these other things and we've got everything going on in our life. And then he gets to James 4 and 2 and he says, hey, but you have not because you ask not. Listen, the reality is the principle of James 1, 6 is saying that you and I must ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this in verse 7, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. It was by faith. It was by faith that Sarah received power and by faith we too can receive from our Lord's all-powerful and gracious hand. The reality is we still live in a day in which there is peace from God that's able to be enjoyed. There's peace to be enjoyed. There's strength 
to be received. Comfort that God can bring to us that we might feel as comfort. Grace from God to be cherished. And daily victories from God to be experienced. But sadly, like that song, that hymn of old. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, right? Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in what? Sarah believed. She hears the promise. She receives strength. She receives strength to conceive seed. Oh, listen, faith receives power from God. Faith rests on the promises of God. Look at the end of verse number 11. We see that through faith, Sarah receives strength. But notice the last phrase. It says, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Biblical faith, watch this, rests on God's promises, not our wishes. Say, I've wished a time or two. Who's a wisher here? Anybody wish, wish, wish? I'm a wisher, right? Sometimes we get those things confused with God's promises. God had, watch this, God had made a particular promise to Sarah that she in her old age would conceive and bear a son. He did not give that promise to my wife. She said, amen. <laughs> that was rude. That wasn't a promise for Krista. That was a promise for Sarah in that moment. Therefore, watch this. If you took that and said, ma'am, if you would just have the same faith of Sarah, you will conceive in an old age. Not only is that hermeneutically incorrect, that's cruel. That's cruel. And that's why we have to be careful by the way, hermeneutics is a, is a wonderful thing, right? When we study Scripture in its context, cultural, historical, grammatical context of what's being said to the who it's being said to at that time, and then we make application for our life today. And so this is what's taking place. Likewise, God has not promised to cure every sickness Sad to say, he's not promised to cure every sickness. Faith in the Bible is not like, I was telling Jason this the other night, it's not like an Amazon Prime Fulfillment Center. You, you pray it and then it's going to show up the next day. That's not, that's not what biblical faith is all about. It's not some magical way to get the things that we want when we want it and how we want it. Faith in the Bible is the means by which we receive the things that God has promised to give. It was in his sermon entitled, By Faith, that the Puritan pastor of old, a gentleman by the name of Thomas Manton, here's what he said. He said, wherever we put forth faith, we must have a promise. Otherwise, it is but fanciful thinking, not faith. Again, biblical faith is not trusting God to fulfill all of my dreams. It's faith, biblical faith is trusting God to fulfill his promises. So how did Sarah come to believe these promises? Because remember, back in Genesis chapter 18, she laughs. She laughs at one point when she hears the, the guests, these, these guests who have showed up and are talking to Abraham. She hears this guest say, hey, yeah, next year I'm going to show back up and your wife, she'll have given, a, given birth to a boy. She laughs within herself. So what happened? 
Notice the end of verse 11 again. It says, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Listen, it's been said that promises are only as strong as the person who gives them. If a liar says, hey, I give you my word, then you and I are not going to be too disappointed when that liar breaks his word. Anybody ever had that happen to you? You're like, man, this dude's just a liar. By the way, the staff knows one thing that I really cannot deal with is lying. Man, you can, you can, you can knock me down. You can, well, like Elvis said, you can knock me down, rattle me and take whatever, all this stuff. But if you lie to me, we have a problem, right? Like they, all, they used to say, you cannot train lazy. You ever heard that, employers? You cannot train lazy. I have a problem trying to train liars. But this promise was not made by a liar. In fact, Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. Titus 1-2 tells us that God actually cannot lie. It actually reveals that God cannot lie in Titus 1-2. Listen, our God is not a liar. When he says something, we can take it to the bank. And back in Genesis chapter 18, Sarah, she's in the tent. She hears the promise, and she was going to have a son. She laughs, and, and listen, the reality is when she understands that it is the Lord who is making the promise in her life, something changes. She, by faith, receives strength. She receives miraculous power to conceive. You say, what was the problem all those years? You say, well, God's sovereign. We just chalk it off and say, oh, it's God's sovereignty. I dare say that maybe for all those years, Sarah didn't believe. She had heard the rumor. Certainly Abraham, they had talked about it because she says, hey, I can't give you a child, so go on into Hagar, my, my, my servant here, and she'll give you a child. She tries to take matters in her own hands, so she obviously knows that the, that the word had been given previously that she was going to have a child, but guess what? I'm guessing just like her, ladies, you would get a little tired after 24 years. And nothing happens. It was in his sermon on Hebrews chapter 11 that the 16th century Scottish minister, a guy by the name of Robert Bruce, he said these words. He said, it was not a mere man who was dealing with Sarah. He said, neither was it an angel, for angels cannot see into the innermost thoughts. Therefore, at once, it dawned on her that this man speaking to her was the living God. It was at this point that she knew that nothing was impossible for God. The Lord's visit that day was more than just to talk with Abraham. The Lord's visit that day, I believe, was really to strengthen and to confirm faith in Sarah. And so the reality is, Sarah receives strength because she believes the one who is making the promise is going to keep his promise. Even though she had heard these rumors before, she now believes. And folks, I would just suggest this is a perfect picture of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. The reality is the same God who appeared to Sarah in the form of a man actually became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And he came to die for you 
and for me and for the sin of the world. Oh, he came so that you and I might know the Father. He came to lead us to faith. He came so that by faith, you and I might receive all that God has promised to us. Yes, faith receives power from God. Faith rests on the promises of God. And then let's wrap it up. Faith advances the purpose of God. Look at verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go back there. I didn't read it yet, but let's look at verse number 12. Sarah receives this strength, and verse 12 says, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. So by faith also Sarah receives strength to conceive, and by faith... It leads to the birth of Isaac and from Isaac to Jacob and from Jacob to Joseph and his brothers and on and on it goes. And guess what? When you put it all together and you look at the lineage, we have the line of descent that continues, continues, continues all the way to Jesus Christ. You think God knows what he's doing? I'd say he does. He knows exactly what he's doing. And the reality is he is still currently in the process of gathering a great company of redeemed people. Hey, listen, if you're one of the redeemed, you're going to sing one day. You might be here and you might stand with your arms crossed whenever the music starts. And you say, I'm not a singer. Oh, you're going to be a singer one day. Oh, listen, you might want to start. You say, how can I start? Man, if you need to wear a mask, they have a show for you. It's called The Masked Singer, right? But you need to get some practice in right now because one day you're going to sing before the throne of God's grace and mercy. Oh, listen, he's, he's gathering a great company of redeemed people from every tribe and every nation who will glorify him and enjoy him forever. And verse 12 reminds us that there will be so many as the stars of the sky and multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. And so Sarah's faith advances the purpose of God. Yes, God's sovereign purpose is always moving forward. Let me just say that again. God's sovereign purpose is always moving forward by means of people just like Sarah. People like Sarah who by faith receive power, who by faith receive the strength they need to walk in obedience with the Lord, to listen to the Lord, to commune with the Lord, to represent the Lord. His purpose is always moving forward. And the reality is we received, we received by the power of his hand. Why? Because we believe what he reveals and we trust what he has promised. Through faith, Sarah received. I have a question and then I close. What is it that you, what is it that you need to receive from the Lord today? Right? You say, well, I don't, I really don't need anything. Are you sure? What is it that you need? Second Peter 1, 4, God tells us that he, God's word tells us that he has given unto us great and precious promises. Listen, maybe you're facing an overwhelming challenge today. You're facing an overwhelming challenge the reality is God tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that's back where Paul was facing that overwhelming challenge. God says, hey, listen, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength, my power, my dunamis power is made perfect in your weakness. Sometimes we face an overwhelming challenge and we try to face that challenge in our own strength, in our own wisdom. God says, listen, don't do it. 
I can give you the ability to face that. Maybe you're facing uh, this challenge. Maybe you're in need of strength. Isaiah 40, 31 says that, listen, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Maybe you're in need of provision. You say, I don't know where my next, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm struggling, and I don't know where to turn. Do you know that Paul told the church at Philippi in Philippians 4.19 that his God would supply all their need according to his riches in Christ Jesus? Can I tell you something? There is no one richer than God. You, you look on, I don't care. You're like, well, he's not on the Forbes uh, top 50 list. No, he owns Forbes. He doesn't need to be on the list. He, he is the creator. They don't have a list without him. Listen, if you're in need of provision, God will provide. Listen, you're needing peace. Can I just say this? If you're in need of peace, peace begins with Jesus, period. Stop. End of sentence. If you're in need of peace today, it begins with Jesus. You say, man, pastor, you don't get it. I'm facing, I'm facing a surgery. I'm facing this. I just lost a loved one. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. Listen, can I tell you, if you're really, if you're walking with God and you're still in need of peace, can I tell you that Isaiah 26 and verse 3 and verse number 4 tell us that he will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because we acknowledge we trust in him. And then in verse number four, if you read on in verse number four, it tells us that he's our everlasting strength. That's what verse four says. He's our everlasting strength. If you need strength, you need peace, then go to the one who can give it. You're looking for hope. Oh, the reality is that God promises, the God of all grace, he promises us this idea of hope. In fact, in 1 Peter 1, in verse 3, in verse number 4, the Bible reminds us that we have a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. And what's cool about that is not that I just have a living hope, but if you keep reading on, verse number 5 says that I have this living hope. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It's not going anywhere. And the reality is says that I'm kept by the power of God through faith. There it is again. You want to receive something today? You got to exercise faith. You're kept by the power of God, but you're kept by the power of God through faith. Are you in need of forgiveness and salvation? Listen, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the reality is all of these other things come after. You got to, you got to get on the tree of faith. Remember the fruit tree? You got to be on the tree, that fruit tree of faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that Jesus is God, a very God? Do you believe that he died for your sin? Do you believe that you are lost, that you need a redeemer? Then guess what? Call on him. He will forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to have a relationship with you. His long-suffering I don't know about you, I'm thankful that our God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then lastly, maybe you're here and you're a believer, but maybe you need to get right with God. What is it that you need today? Maybe you need to get right with God. Well, the cool thing is God wants you to be right with Him. Because, see, He's faithful and just. 1 John 1, 9. 
He's faithful and just, the Bible says, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, no matter what we need. The first step is faith. Ask and receive. Ask and rest. Ask and we'll see the purpose of God continue. By what? By faith. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you bless. God, how you remind us of simple things. Through like just a, one verse of scripture. Through faith also Sarah receives strength. She appropriates. She takes hold of something that was there all along. Your power, your strength, your miraculous ability. She takes a hold of it by faith. By faith, she's given this strength to conceive and to bear a child named Isaac. God, I wonder what it is that your people need today. I know that we need you every hour, as the song says, every hour we need thee. So God, I pray, whether somebody is in need of forgiveness and salvation, that today might be the day that they would call on you and they by faith would trust that you have done what you have done in order to forgive them and that they would receive you as Lord and Savior of their life. God, I pray that the one who is struggling, the one who is in need of provision or strength or comfort or whatever is going on, that they would understand the principle of asking in faith, that they would understand the principle of believing what you have revealed and trusting what you have promised in their life, and that, God, that you would do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think according to, here it is, according to your power that works in us. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way as we open up the altar just for a time of prayer, for a time of praise. Maybe there's someone who needs to come and present themselves for, for baptism or maybe, maybe there are others who've been praying about finding a good church home. Whatever the need is, Lord, I pray that they'll come in faith. God, that you'll bless during this time. We love you and we praise you for it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And for his sake, amen.